read along with me the scripture from Mark chapter 12, 28 to 34. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that, he answered them well. He asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second one is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all whole burned offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. Thanks be to God for his word. Today our text is one that's so familiar, it seems almost a little cliche to even read the text out loud. What is the greatest commandment? Well, you shall love your Lord, your God, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Love your neighbor as yourself, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, we've heard it. We've heard it before. We've heard it many times. It's in all three Gospels and kind of in John 2. Uh, however, each one of those tellings, is, there's some nuance in it. When you have something like when you have something like this that shows up in all three of the Gospels or four of the Gospels, uh, it's really important to pay attention to what's different between them because then you kind of know what the author uh, has in mind with some of those. And they're all a little bit different. In Matthew, the exchange is a little more confrontational. Uh, this one is kind of a pleasant exchange between Jesus and the scribe. But in Matthew, it's a little more of a how can we trip Jesus up kind of a thing. And Matthew keeps it very brief. Just get straight to the point. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Boom. I'm out of there. Right? And Luke, and Luke, it's not even Jesus who says it. Jesus asks the question, what's the greatest commandment? And someone else uh, says it. Right? Someone else proclaims this. And Jesus says, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and then it becomes this prayer. And then Jesus launches into the parable of the Good Samaritan because the guy wants to know, well, who is my neighbor? He wants to qualify it. Okay, that's a good, yeah, well, that's pretty good, but I want to know who, who is my neighbor. And John doesn't even quote the, the scripture that's being quoted here. Uh, instead, he, he uh, and the scripture that Jesus is quoting is from Deuteronomy 6 in the first part. And um, in Leviticus 9, I think, in the second part. Uh, but instead, John kind of summarizes it in this. A new command I give you, that you should love one another. It's even bigger, more of a shorthand. You just love one another, you'll be in good shape. But Mark does something that all the other Gospels don't do. He quotes the very first part 
of the text which is given that this seemingly universal command, I, I think, you know, sometimes when I talk about this text, I pull out all of those other texts from all the sacred communities around the globe and point out how all of them have some version of this in their tradition. The Jews, the Hindus, the Muslims, the, the, all the other faiths of the world all have some kind of similar take on love your neighbor, love God, all of that kind of thing. But what, what Mark does that makes, takes this seemingly universal idea and makes it particularly, gives it a particular Jewish flavor is that in Mark, Jesus quotes the Shema. And the Shema is, is from Deuteronomy 6. If you were to look up this text that Jesus quotes in Deuteronomy 6, it comes out of there. And it is a central prayer for the Jewish people then and the Jewish people now. It is a scripture that is printed on the small scroll that is contained in the mezuzah. If you've ever been to a Jewish friend's house, they might have a mezuzah on the door mantle uh, outside their door. And they touch it when they walk in and they touch it when they leave as a reminder of this prayer. And it is the prayer that is spoken in the morning and evening prayer service uh, in the Jewish tradition. And it is a prayer that is taught to Jewish children as their final words of prayer before they go to bed. We sing, we, you know, we, we get together and we say, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Oh, kind of a frightening prayer, i got to say. <laughs> if I should die before I wake, who came up with that? Uh, I ain't sleeping after that one. But in the Jewish tradition, they teach the Shema. And they cover their eyes and they speak Shema i Israel. Adonai Elecheinu. Adonai Ichad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Then goes on to the part that we know is so familiar. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. Mark adds in there with all of your mind. I don't know why Mark adds that in there, just to make it, you know, complete. <laughs> and Jesus also quotes Leviticus and he says, and you shall love, the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And in this exchange in Mark, the scribe commends Jesus for what he has said and adds that all this is worth so much more than all the burnt offerings we could ever, we could ever do. And Jesus tells him, the scribe, that he's not far from the kingdom of God. And then they part ways amicably. They have this incredible exchange. How wonderful that is. The people from differing perspectives could come together and share ideas and to acknowledge that perhaps we're trying to work toward the same goal and maybe we can share our ideas and not hate each other as a result of having different perspectives. Of course, i got to say, three days later, Jesus was accused of blasphemy and sedition and executed on a cross. So, you know, so much for the civility and niceties. But at this moment, 
Jesus was having a reasonable exchange with one of those religious authorities that Jesus had been railing against his entire ministry. You see, Jesus was was constantly confronting the, the, the temple authorities and the Jewish aristocracy who collaborated with Rome to oppress the Jewish people and to keep them under the thumb of the dominant system of Jesus' time. And this scribe was a part of that system. A scribe was kind of a, it was a, kind of a legal expert. Every town had at least one. I'm sure Jerusalem had plenty to choose from. And it was who you turned to when there was a question about the laws in the Hebrew Bible. So they were kind of legal experts when it came to the Bible. But at this moment, there was a sense of civility and a moment when two two people who were perhaps seeking the same thing but from different angles had a reasonable exchange and then parted amicably. And they both agreed about what was really important, what was really at the center of it all, what it was all really about. And that was love. Love trumped every other commandment in the Bible. Love of God, love of neighbor, love of self. All of that trumped everything else. They both agreed to that. And, you know, and there's, but not just any kind of love either. There's, but an agape love. In the Greek language, there's, there's three words for love. Uh, the first one is, is philo, which is kind of a familial type love. You know, love you have for your parents, love you have for your children, love you have for your siblings, uh, most of the time, anyway. Um, often this word is, de- is defined as brotherly love, is often how it goes. Thus, philo, meaning love, and Delphi, meaning city, becomes Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. That's where they get that whole uh, name there. So that's, that's philo, is that kind of love, that, that familial kind of love. Another is, is eros. Right? That's, that, that's that romantic, lovey-dovey kind of love like, like me and my lady have for one another. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she's not even here. I don't even get credit for that. But <laughs> we have that lovey-dovey kind of love. And the third is this agape love. That is a, a deeper kind of love. And it is, it is that kind of love that is godly. It is a love that is unconditional, self-sacrificing. That kind of love. It is the absolute and complete love that God has for us found in Jesus Christ. That godly love that comes to us from no other source but God. And that godly love that we can give from no other place but from a place in God. And and Jesus commends to us this greatest commandment. And it is for us to completely and utterly give ourselves over to agape love for God. And agape love for neighbor. We must agape love. We must agape God. We must agape each other. Agape our neighbor. And the second one is like that. We love our neighbor. 
And I, the question becomes, uh, the, Jesus kind of links these two, loving God and loving neighbor. He links these two explicitly here, and yet he didn't really need to because when we ask the question, how do we agape God, the answer is found in how we treat each other. The answer is always found in how we agape one another. And this is perhaps where Jesus and the scribe part company. Because by definition, the scribe seeks to agape God through the utter obedience of the whole law. Jesus reminds us that the expression of agape toward God hinges on our ability to agape other people. And not just the lovely people out there, but the tough ones too. You know, the ones that are really hard to love, the ones that are really making you work for it, right? (laughs) We got to love all of those people too. And this isn't new. It's all over the Hebrew Bible. Isaiah 1 says, What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this of your hand? Go, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your doings, for before my eyes cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Isaiah says that's how you show agape love to God. Not through the burnt offering, not through following the law, but through caring after others, seeking justice, caring for the oppressed, speaking up for the widows and the orphans. The New Testament is all about that too. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. 1 John 4, 19-20. Matthew says, whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. First John again says, God is love. And whoever loves is in God, and God is in them. How do you get to God? How do you know God? How do you dwell in God? Agape. Agape love. This command to love is at the heart of what it means to be Faithful to God. But at the end of the day, it is less about our orientation toward God and more about our attitude toward all the people in this world. Every day, every day, we have many, many, many opportunities to agape God with all of our heart with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. And we have that opportunity through interacting with the people around us. They, they're all around us. You want to love God? Look around and see all the people around you. 
That's how we, that's how we agape God. Of course, it's easy if you look around here. You know, this is, we're a family, right? Even the tough ones, we, we learn how to love anyway, right? I mean, we've, we've mastered that around here. But God challenges us to do that even beyond that kind of capacity, even beyond the people we already love and who do good towards us. It means loving those who are unlovely, those who are different than us, those who are even our enemies. At the heart of what Jesus tells us is love our enemies. I think this is what Jesus has in mind. Through that, we love our God. It means loving when it's difficult, working at it, seeking it out, and looking for ways to love. It means that we have to love those who vandalize. There was a little vandalism done to the church last night. It means, I mean, everything's okay, but it means we've got to figure out how to love those vandals somehow. How do we go about doing that? And what Jesus tells us is when we are able to do that, we are not far from the kingdom of God. Let us pray. A loving and gracious God, we thank you that you teach us how to love and you challenge us to love. And even though this is just that one command that you give us, and that through mastering that one command, we will have satisfied the entirety of the law, yet that command is so challenging. Help us to know how we can agape you through how we agape the people around us. And then we will know truly the kingdom of God. Christ, we pray. Amen.